Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ag View Pitch here today. This is Shay on November 21st. Uh, Going to be talking with Dwayne here as you'll hear in a minute. And Chris and Alyssa are up in Minneapolis at a peer group meeting. And believe it or not, I am actually still cutting soybeans today. Uh, we have some flat corn to go. So just a little, little perspective on the week as we head into Thanksgiving here. Uh, lots going on in the countryside. Seeing a lot of ammonia going on here. A lot of fertilizer and, and thankfully a lot of good crops in different areas from producers that we've been hearing. But weather's turning cold here. Looks like a low of about 21 degrees tomorrow night. And it gets you thinking that maybe there's someplace warmer you'd rather be. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and give a little plug here for the conference that we have in January. It's January 26th to 28th in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. And the main reason I wanted to bring this up, I know a lot of the listeners here have already looked into it. Uh, we got a great two days of, of speakers lined up, no advertisements. This is strictly just a value uh, providing experience for you all. We thought might as well have it in a good location. It's on a Thursday and Friday. A lot of people are getting in that Wednesday the night before uh, to enjoy a cocktail hour and do some networking as well. Just a good good place. Uh, the Tapatio Cliff Resorts that it's at is a beautiful location, great place to bring the family as well. Uh, the early pricing does end here on November 29th. So if you're if you're considering going and you haven't made a decision yet, or it's something that you just haven't had the time with getting field work wrapped up and making plans for 2022, this is your reminder. Go now to agviewsolutions.com. You're going to see the registration link right there at the top. And of course, if you have any questions, you can reach out to uh, Chris or myself. Chris's phone number is 319-533-5703. Mine is 319-464-5708. Without a doubt, you're going to get a ton of value out of the experience and really just looking forward to seeing everybody there. I know a lot of you have been listeners to the podcast for for the last two years that we've been doing it here, and I think this event really gives you the opportunity to meet some of the people that you've listened to for a long time and have some of those one-on-one conversations. Uh, So if you're considering going to a winter conference at all, I encourage you to go to this one. Again, check it out, agviewsolutions.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the AgView Pitch. Today, you have Shea Polk with Dwayne Lowry. And Dwayne, I don't know about where you're at, but it's a, a beautiful, sunshiny day. The wind's blowing, and uh, beautiful here in northwest Illinois. Well, I'm in uh, northeast Iowa at the moment, and it's uh, also a beautiful, sunny day. And uh, the wind is definitely blowing, and probably just what went by me right now is going fast enough. You'll probably get it before the podcast is over. It feels <laughs> like it, it's just really flying, but it's uh, it's a it's a beautiful day for November for sure. Absolutely, hard to believe it's November 21st already. And I, you know, I think it's important for us to take a look uh, as we discuss the markets here. Uh, as we enter this season of thankfulness, there's a lot to be thankful for, and, and I think prices. And yield are two of the things that we need to look at right now. Dwayne, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Well, it's definitely a lot to be thankful for. At the same time, I'd start by saying we know there are some people in some regions that got hurt really badly, and you know it's it's uh, been more difficult for them. Uh, but we also know that there's a lot of acres over a lot of uh, large footprint that versus what was expected with some of the real time lack of precip we saw during the summer yields ended up being a lot better than expected and uh, uh, in the case of price despite 
you know, the national yields being better than expected, the prices have managed to stay, you know, fairly uh, well uh, elevated and considering the cost that everybody's experiencing with everything, you know, that's a lot to be thankful for. So I think everybody's got a lot to be thankful for. And I guess we need to always approach everything in life with a spirit of Thanksgiving, but you're just looking at the focus in the, the 21 crop year for what it turned out to be versus what it feared to have been during much of the growing season. We have a lot to be thankful for. Yeah, that's something key to keep in mind here uh, this time of month and as we move forward. You know, another thing I wanted to look at is, is kind of some of the global impacts that we have right now. And, and South America and China are, of course, two big ones. Let's start with South America. How are things coming with, uh, you know, kind of their planting progress and, and development down in that area? Well, let's go back a little bit uh, to get a proper perspective on this and to a period of time just before the planting season was uh, about to begin. There was a lot of concern that La Nina and uh, we'd have a dryness carryover from before and it could be a delayed planting season because of being too dry or we'd have a lot of dryness early on in Brazil. And what has turned out to be the case was a probably one of the earliest and fastest planting uh, seasons they've had, an exceptional early start for most areas of, of Brazil. Possible exception would be the southern 15% of the the, uh, the country, and even that has just been drier than desired, but still not probably hurting anything at the present time. So everything it looks quite optimistic. The private government estimates were all raised, I think, week before last. There's a, a mood in the air that the potential for a, a, a big crop is there. They had the increase in acreage to set the foundation, uh, but it's still early. You know, things can happen and change. There's an optimism because the early planting dateline on uh, soybeans will lead to a, a favorable start and opportunity for their second corn crop, which is where the majority of their corn bushels are grown. So there's optimism there as well. Argentina is so far off to a, a good start. They've had some periods of dryness, but they had some rains here a week or so ago, and they have some slated for midweek this week. And then after that, it turns a little bit drier again. But this crop stage of development there is early enough that it's not a threat. But so I would say there's a certain level of optimism and confidence building down there. The crop is going to be good, but the reality is that. Uh, we do have a La Nina backdrop, and we do know there's plenty of growing season left to create some concern. So we're, it's not it's not a given, but uh, at the present time, uh, there's more optimism than what was probably expected to have been uh, for South American production potential. So let's say you know they continue to to have a good outlook, uh, projecting on a good crop there. You know this ties hand in hand with uh, China's purchases, and we've seen that China's been real slow here lately. Uh, buying agricultural products from the United States. How, how do these kind of go hand in hand, and, and what do you think uh, from China's perspective here moving forward? Well, so many times the U.S. farmer is uh, forced to uh, uh, recognize that this is a global market, and we don't, uh, right now we're sitting on what we feel are pretty good prices. But South America, if they end up having a good production season, China has already shown a slowness to buy U.S. origin products, and they're behind the pace needed to get to some of the targets out there or the hopeful targets. And in some respects, we uh, you have to realistically ponder that 
if you're China, you probably don't want to buy U.S. Uh, unless it's your last resort. If you can wait till you get to South American supplies, you know they're they're probably uh, uh, 80 bucks a ton cheaper. Um, the uh, the the availability is going to be plentiful. They'll have a lot more exportable supplies than they had a year ago. Um, the, the hope, if you're a Chinese buyer, is that that will lead to a softer price tone. Um, you've got a greater supply in Ukraine of, of corn available. Uh, their export available supply is up significantly from last year. Uh, China's probably going to try to maximize their import potential from Ukraine before they come to, to the U.S. for any sizable amount of corn business. So South America and how that turns out is going to be a very important lever in the price discovery mechanism here over the next few months, and it's possible that that lever, if it's triggered and creates a favorable supply there, that could create a soft tone in the marketplace, possibly the last through the rest of the marketing year, or at least until we found out whether we had a production uh, threat develop during the growing season in the U.S. next summer. Otherwise, um, if if you're China, you're hoping that South America has a good crop, and that could weigh on prices. So I think that um, the fact that right now we don't have an immediate problem in South America is a concern if you're pondering, you know, what the price outlook might be here in the weeks ahead of us. When is too late to make a decision as a United States producer on that? And uh, you know, when do you start when do you start heavily considering that, I guess, Wayne? Well, to be honest with you, um I guess that moment in time could come at any point in time in terms of South American production to get to that point, you you might be talking about uh, mid mid January. Whether the marketplace will wait that long for that type of confirmation or not, I don't know. If there's a possibility that if we can avoid uh, weather problems and weather forecast problems into the month of December, the marketplace might start to shift. You know, a greater chance that uh, production uh, will end up being normal or favorable. So I don't know how to answer that question. I wish I knew the answer to that question. Um, but I think that there are other things to look at, too, that, that might also create a, little, a bit of a warning sign. But I would say that the producer needs to look at it from the perspective of it's not so important trying to note, determine what that time frame date is, but we are uh, at price levels that we have been at before multiple times during the summer in the case of the corn. Just recently, we had a run-up in the corn. This recovery rally that we had in beans here last uh, week and a half um, only got a, got us back to where we were at before. And um, I'm not sure that there's anything that I can see on the landscape on the horizon with South American production, Chinese demand, or concerns anywhere else in the world that offers a solid fundamental reason why the market is going to continue the trend higher. So if the best that we can anticipate let's, over the next 30 or 60 days might be sideways, and that, in my mind that might be the best-case scenario, then you know I'm not sure there's a lot of value in, in waiting around. Maybe a, if this is a situation is two in the hand is you know one in the hand is worth more than two in the bush. You know you don't you just don't know what's out there. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good perspective and. You know, I wish my crystal ball was working too. Sounds like yours is a little little cloudy, and I've never gotten mine to work. So that's kind of a you know a one to two month outlook here. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit longer term on on something that a lot of people have had a question on, and and that's inflation. You know, there's a lot going on globally, especially with the with the pandemic and a lot of other factors right now. Uh, United States just passed a, a two trillion dollar infrastructure bill and looking at another 1.85 trillion in, in the Biden administration's Build Back Better plan uh, that's being proposed. How how is inflation going to impact the U.S. producer? And what are some key things to keep in mind here over, you know, maybe the next 10 to 12 months, Dwayne? I think the first thing I'll say is it might impact the U.S. producer in a different way than he has in his mind right now. I would like to separate this out. We know we have inflation because we all experience the prices, whether it's at the grocery store, the feed store, the fertilizer store, the equipment store, the hired labor, whatever it is. We all see the inflation. We know on the expense side of our ledgers that's an absolute fact. And that part will be slow to change if it is going to change and, and, and lessen. That'll be slow to change. And it's an absolute direct effect. What we do not have is we have nothing about inflation right now that guarantees that our revenue will be inflated just solely for the purpose of that inflation exists. I don't think you can have commodity inflation without actually having a supply threat or a supply squeeze or too, too much demand coming at too little supply, which right now we do not have. And we're not going to have that unless we get a problem in South America, and then we won't have it unless we get a problem in the U.S. So the outlook for this current marketing year, our supplies are adequate or plentiful depending on how you factor in demand. So I'm not convinced that we will get commodity inflation just because we have inflation in the form of expenses. It is my personal opinion that you can't have commodity inflation without the dollar being weaker to sharply weaker. Now, I want to point out that in the commodity world, a lot of people have been bullish commodities because they expect inflation or because they see inflation. It's not an expectation anymore. It's an absolute fact that they're seeing, okay? So that's caused people to be bullish on commodities. There's been a lot of speculators that have established bullish positions in the commodities, and that's been in the form of long crude oil, heating oil, long corn, beans, wheat. Take your pick of any commodity they want to have. Some are doing gold. But you know what the main premise for that was? And just like your lead-in to talk about the, the money that the, the government is printing and borrowing and spending, this is all based on an expectation that the U.S. dollar will weaken. Many people feel that the U.S. dollar is getting weaker day by day because of all this uh, quote-unquote inflation or because of all the spending. The reality is the U.S. dollar index is at a 20-month high right now. Mm -hmm. The last two weeks has had a lot of strength in that. So all of the commodity investors that have put on long bullish positions in different commodities, take your pick of what it is, they have to feel a little bit set back because their main underlying premise for doing so was a weak dollar, and that is not at all what's happening. They, the second main reason they put on bullish commodity positions it was because they expected energy prices to do nothing but to go up. Right now, crude oil is about $8 off its highs. It's the lowest it's been since about the first day of October. Heating oil is at the bottom side of its trading range for the last two-plus months. So things aren't quite right if you're a bullish commodity investor. Now, 
some of these commodity markets are still elevated up here or levitating maybe up here, but we're approaching the end of the year. And these speculators, if they have profits in their trade, they don't want to let that go. They don't want to show a profit at the end of the third quarter and then have it all wiped away. So with crude oil breaking last week, crude oil was down, I think, about $4 for the week last night, or excuse me, last week. You had the Dow down 464 points, I think, for the week. Um, you had the corn market finish $0.08 cents lower for the week, despite having multiple days during the week and during the last several days where corn at one point in time during the session was showing emotional strength only to give it up at the close, and that yet on Friday we're finished eight cents lower for the week. The week was only up five and three quarter cents, and the strongest wheat, the tightest stocks we have is heart uh, spread spring wheat, and Minneapolis for the week, last week was down 32 cents. Now, January beans were up 19 cents, largely on short covery, and that was still well off the highs for the week. So there are things happening out here in the commodity world on the investment speculative side that shouldn't be real comfortable. And there's a risk here that all of those factors end up having some sort of a liquidation pressure put on it. And all of a sudden we start to see our corn, wheat, soybean prices decline that has nothing to do with fundamentals. And I think that's a very real threat. And it's something that I've been talking about for several weeks and putting out there as a as a possibility and a warning to, to, to watch out for. And here we are, we've seen it. We've seen the crude break, we're seeing the dollar strength, we're seeing uh, you know, break chinks in the armor of the corn market, which topped out on the second day of November. And here we are you know, softening up despite having emotional activity at one time during the week last week. So I think there are warning signs here that could see some, um, could trigger some speculative selling and all of a sudden we're seeing prices go down and we're wondering, wait, wait, where, where, where is this coming from? Why is this happening? And uh, so I think there's things to be concerned about that are happening right now. Yeah. I, that, that inflation and, you know, some of the talk on, on interest of us dollar strength, the us dollar index there, I think is key. And, and I think most importantly too, is uh, you know, what you said there at the end, Dwayne is, just understanding why some of these things are happening and it makes it a little bit more actionable uh, for the U.S. producer to be making decisions. So as always, and I would say one other add, add one, add other, add one more thing to that. Um, The U.S. producer um, knows prices are somewhat high. Everybody is, all the headlines are about high food prices and that's been kind of going on globally for several months actually. And despite the fact that the raw product cost of that raw product impacting the cost at the grocery store is actually very small. It seems like throughout the years of being in this business, if they want to go after food prices, somehow the raw price that the farmer receives takes a hit. And right now you've got food prices on a global scale by a lot of different metrics at the highest levels it's been in the last 15 years as, as in terms of like a percentage of versus income. And I don't know if the powers that be were, are going to allow that to continue to happen. And so there's going to be an awful lot of pressure to either uh, get wages to go up more or to get uh, food prices to come back in line and all governments, it seems like, has a cheap food policy, including the U.S., and 
farmers that have been around for 30 or 40 years, they have seen many a time where the, the desire for cheap food has cost them in their own pocketbook through policy adjustments and things of this nature. And so I, I think that's another warning sign that uh, we, we as producers need to remember also. Lots to watch out here for in, in the week ahead. Uh, Dwayne, anything else you want to add uh, before we wrap up here? No, um, just a reminder to producers that uh, when they start looking at 2022 and they know that they have the high inputs that they're stuck with and, and probably already paid for or applied some of them in some cases, um, pay very close attention to opportunities and protecting your revenue on that 22 crop. I don't know exactly what that looks like or how every producer is going to do it, but just realize if you're dealing with prices that are at the upper side of parameters for much of the last 10 years and you're on, on the revenue side and you're dealing with input prices that are at the high end of prices on the last 10 years, any mistake here, whether that comes if that inputs go up further or revenue surprises you to the downside, these are not going to be small mistakes. They're going to be the potential for very volatile swings in terms of of profit per acre, just um, a lot of this stuff on based on things that are completely out of your control if you don't take some sort of a measure with price protection. And so I think there's a complacency going on right now because the input costs are so high, there's an assumption and a hope that the, the revenue price will stay high because it's seen as it, that it has to. Well, it has to to make it work, but the marketplace is not doesn't have to guarantee you a, a profitable cash flow projection, um, and uh, we've seen many times where it doesn't. And I would, uh, I just want to emphasize again that the, the we're dealing with such large dollars that uh, pro most producers have not, probably never had such a uh, amount of total input cost into their 22 crop as what they're dealing with when they project it this year. Therefore, any mistake, any surprise in price outcome creates a lot of volatility that most people aren't looking at right now. And so I would just caution everybody to very soberly run through their projections for 2022 and see if there's warrant for their operation to establish some sort of price protection plan. Yeah, that's a, that's a very important message. You know, Chris and I started meeting with clients here again and, and getting a lot of profit managers. And, and the thing about that is we're seeing a lot of profitability on the table for next year. If, the producers are, uh, you know, locking in some some prices, maybe making some marketing decisions to protect themselves, like you're saying here, Dwayne, uh, just to ensure some of that profitability. You're already writing the check for uh, the inputs here. If you're going to write that check, you may need to look at protecting yourself and and maybe locking in some profit to ensure uh, to ensure a good year for 2022. Like I said, there is there is opportunity for a lot of profitability out there, despite what we're seeing right now in these crop input prices. Dwayne, yes, thank you I, so much for I agree. for taking the time. I, I always appreciate having the conversation here. Uh, wish you a happy Thanksgiving week as we move here into the last of November as well. Same to you, Shay, and to all our listeners. Uh, we uh, hope you have a very thankful uh, Thanksgiving and uh, look forward to a Merry Christmas. Absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Ag View Pitch. We will catch you next time.